welcome to the partial recap for the 460s BC. I'm Dr. G. And I'm Dr. Rad. And this is our highlights edition of the 460s in Rome. We'll take you through from 469 to 460 in an epitome of our normal episodes. Yes, it's perfect for those mornings when you don't want some lengthy rhetoric with your coffee. Get ready for a re-cappuccino. start with 469 BCE. In 469, the consuls were Titus Numicius Priscus and Aulus Virginius Caelie Montanus. There were some domestic issues that surfaced as the plebeians were pushing for progress with the agrarian law, looking for a fair share of the land. They were quickly distracted by issues with the Volscians. The Volscians start making incursions into Roman territory and the consuls journey forward to meet the threat. Numicius heads off to the belly of the beast, Volscian territory, and his forces pillage and capture coastal settlements as they go. Antium, a major Volscian city, is in their sights. Virginius goes to deal with the Aquians in the east. The Aquians are enemies of Rome and allies of the Volscians. After a bit of a rocky start, he defeats them in combat. He then turns around to deal with the Sabines. Turns out Rome is surrounded by enemies. Meanwhile, Back in Rome, the plebeians decide not to vote in the annual elections. They are tired of the lack of progress on the agrarian law, so what is even the point anymore? The agrarian reform the plebeians have been pushing for would mean a fair distribution of public land for all Roman citizens. The elite patricians have been stalling, knowing it'll mean a loss for them. BCE. In 468 BCE, the consuls were Titus Quintius Capitolinus Barbatus, consul for the second time, and Quintus Servilius Priscus. Unrest between Rome and her neighbours continues. Rome is facing issues with the Sabines to the northeast and the Volscian Aquian alliance, which stretches from the south to the east. Servilius is off campaigning against the Sabines. They stay well protected behind their walls, and the Romans destroy their lands. Quintius takes on the Volscian-Aquian alliance and meets them on the battlefield. It's tough, but with some quick thinking and lying on his part, as well as charging into battle on foot himself, the Romans pull through on the first day. The fighting continues the next day, and the Romans are massively outnumbered. But once again, the generalship of Quintius saves the day. The Romans seize the enemy camp and the city of Antium. These amazing deeds secure a triumph for Quintius. If you want to hear more about the politics and drama of 469 and 468 BCE, check out our episode 88, entitled Battle After Battle. BCE. In 467 BCE, the consuls were Titus Amilius Mamercus, who was consul from 470 BCE, and Quintus Fabius Vibulanus. Fun fact, the consul Quintus Fabius is the sole survivor of his family from the infamous Battle of Chimera in 
around about 477 BCE. Long live the Fabii. Aemilius Mamercus is drawing some heat from his fellow patricians because he seems open-minded when it comes to the issue of agrarian reform and land allotment. The plebeian mood is one of optimism. However, the patricians as a whole are still resistant. Fabius has a cunning plan to settle the dispute. He suggests that they use the new land they have captured near Antium to appease the plebeians. This suggestion is well received as three past consuls are ushered in as triumvirs for assigning land to the people. Triumviri agrodando. The lucky gentlemen are Titus Quintius Capitolinus, consul from 471, Aulus Virginius, consul from 469, and Publius Furius, consul from 472. The plebeians aren't in a hurry to leave Rome and don't appreciate being banished from Rome, so the Senate allows Rome's allies, the Latins and Hernetians, and some Volscians, who have been suitably cowed, to sign up for some land. The consuls have other fish to fry. Emilius attempts to fight the Sabines. Again, they aren't interested in engaging in open battle, and they watch as their territory is ravaged by the Romans. Fabius ventures into Aquian territory, only to find they are very willing to strike a deal with the Romans, perhaps a little too willing. Four sixty six BCE. In four sixty six, the consuls were Spurius, Postumius, Albinus, Regulensis, and Quintus Servilius Priscus Structus, who had previously been consul in four sixty eight. It's a bit confusing, but it seems that there were some issues with the newly acquired territory, and the Latin allies who have moved south aren't happy about it. Could it be that Rome has offered her allies a bum deal? Quintus Fabius is no longer consul, but he's pretty invested in the whole southern territory thing because it was his suggestion. So he heads down to chat to the Aquians to find out whether they were actually violating the new treaty or not. He soon realises, from the suspicious behaviour of the Aquians, that he is in trouble and that these guys are up to something. The Romans dispatch the Fediales, deploy the war priests, and declare, unless those responsible for the wrongdoing are expelled from Antium, that there shall be a just war waged upon them by Rome, with the full support of the Roman gods. The Aquians prefer war, although combat is delayed by a plague that strikes the Roman forces. Awkward divine sign? Once the Romans can get out of bed, this might take until the following year, sources disagree, both the consuls are sent to deal with the faithless Aquians. After a tough battle, the Romans win the day, leaving some very disgruntled Aquians behind. The Romans round out the year with a temple dedication to Deus Fidius, sometimes known as Sanctus, a mysterious god that may have been Sabine in origin. Now, if you're interested in the detail of these years, 467 and 466, we cover these in our episode 89, A Fabian Abroad. Ah. 465 BCE. In 465 BCE, the consuls were Titus Quintius Capitolinus, who was on his third consulship, and Quintus Fabius Vibulanus, consul for the second time. Quintius Civilius serves as the prefect of the city. The Romans are all a flutter, as the Aquians are already back in action and raiding nearby territory. 
Titus Quintius Capitolinus heads out and rebukes his men for being so scared, quickly setting up patrols of the borderlands. Unfortunately, he keeps missing the enemy. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Fabius is enjoying a lot of success against the Aquians and captures some booty. With that settled, the courts can reopen back in Rome and it's time for a census. Livy records 104,714 citizens, not including orphans and widows. BCE. In 464, the consuls were Aulius, Postumius, Albus, Regulensis, that name sounds familiar to me, and Spurius, Furius, Medulinus, Fusus. There are ongoing issues with the Aquians and the new territory in Antium. Some problems relating to offering land to people you just took it away from, perhaps. Rome's allies, the Hunutians, bring word that all is not well in the new colony. Trouble seems to rapidly accelerate, martial law is declared, and Postumius is given dictatorial powers. Fighting breaks out unexpectedly in the middle of the night when the Aquians launch an attack on Antium, and things are looking very dicey for the Romans. Spurius Furius gets injured in the battle. Fortunately, Titus Quintius Capitolinus, just off the back of his third consulship, turns up with the flower of the Roman youth and the allies just in time. The year finishes in a bit of a stalemate, with a lot of loss on both sides. You can catch all the details of 465 to 464 in our episode 91, The Furious Romans. BCE. In 463 BCE, the consuls were Lucius Abudius Helva and Publius Aurelius Priscus. The year does not begin auspiciously. There are some bad omens which has everyone concerned. Soon, a serious plague breaks out in Rome and the surrounding areas. It wipes out almost all livestock and a quarter of the senators died, including both the consuls, meaning we see the use of some interregna as a result. The Aquians and the Volscians decide to take advantage of this weakness to attack Roman territory. Whether it was due to the enhancement of natural defences or supernatural forces, the Aquians and the Volscians decide not to go through with the assault on the city, and with the help of their allies, Rome lives on to fight another day. As the year wraps up, the plague starts to pass, almost a little too neatly. Was this just a year without enough military action, and so the analysts got creative? Dig into the details of this year with our episode 92, The Pestilence of 463 BCE. 462 BCE. In 462, the consuls were Lucius, Lucretius, Trichipitinus, and Titus, Veturius, Geminus, Chicharinus. It's a bit of a mouthful, that one. Rome's allies, the Hunutians, need help, as they have Volscians and Aquians camped on their border. Hunutian territory is southeast of Rome and lies between the Aquians in the east and the Volscians in the south, so it is not surprising they find themselves in a tight spot. The plebeian tribunes aren't interested in foreign diplomacy and are busy pursuing domestic issues. The Tribune, Sextius Titus, is trying to reignite support for the Land Allotment Bill. But the populace want to wait for a better time for agrarian reform, as it looks like Rome will have to go to war. 
The Senate finds no problem signing people up for this new war. The Romans keep one army at home with Quintus Fabius, consul of 465, and send one against the Volscians, and send another again to help their allies. That's three armies. Nothing much happens out in enemy territory, but the Volscian Aquian forces manage to get around the Roman forces, causing a bit of panic in the city. Fabius is quick to calm everyone down, and the bandits aren't brave enough to attack the city itself. On their way home, the Volscian Aquian force run into Lucretius and are severely defeated. The Volscians are reportedly wiped out. Veturius is awarded an Avatio and Lucretius a triumph, but this celebration is delayed due to some new troubles at home. As we slide from 462 into 461, the tribunes are trying to take advantage of the absence of the consuls. Gaius Teratolinus Harsa, in particular, pushes for reform. He believes that Rome needs to move away from the informal legal system that they have been using. The informal system relies on tradition, and only a few elite people understand how things work. What Harsa wants is a system that is more transparent and where case law is written down. On top of that, Harsa also lobbies to place a limit on the amount of power that a person can hold. Harsa suggests putting together a college of five men to write down some laws and limit the imperium of the consuls. The patricians are completely freaked out. The prefect of the city, Quintus Fabius, steps in and violently opposes Harsa's ideas. How dare Harsa stir up trouble with the consuls out of town and a war going on? Fabius paints the tribunes as enemies of the state and Harsa's colleagues back off. As things calm down, Lucretius can safely return to have his triumph. He organizes a large lost and found with all of the booty that he recaptured during his campaign out on the campus marshes. We explore the thorny details of 462 in episode 93, Divide and Conquer. BCE. In 461, the consuls were Publius Volumnius and Servius Sulpicius. The Pabian Tribune Haas's proposals from 462 have struck a chord with the people, and the new tribunes continue to push for legal reform, particularly Aulus Virginius. However, disaster clearly lies ahead as all sorts of prodigies take place. Spectres, earthquakes, a talking cow, and a rain of flesh that doesn't smell or rot. Even the soothsayers were stumped. There's only one thing to do in such a situation. Consult the Sibylline Books, a collection of ancient wisdoms. The wise message. The Romans are warned to be wary of foreigners that might enslave the Romans and to avoid factionalism. The tribunes, however, aren't deterred by this wisdom and accuse the patricians of trying to buy time. Rome's allies, the Hanetians, show up to warn the Romans that the Volscians are preparing for another war. The Senate wants to levy troops, but the tribunes call foul, seeing this as just another stalling tactic. The tribunes take matters into their own hands, calling an assembly of the people to put forward their ideas for their approval. The most important proposal to have a group of 10 men elected by the people to draft a set of public and private laws. These laws would be publicly accessible and everyone would be bound by them. The consuls are provoked by this situation and go out on the offensive, attacking the tribunes and pointing out that it is not their job to propose new laws. The consuls accuse the tribunes of being just after more power for themselves. 
The consuls attempt to hold a levy to build up the armed forces, but the tribunes arrive and try to prevent it from proceeding. Things get violent pretty quickly, and the senators repay the favour, physically preventing the tribunes from holding a vote on the law about the laws. The senators are keen to drive home the point that the tribunes have no authority beyond helping the poor. As far as the senate is concerned, the tribunes have no legal or sacral basis to propose new laws. The consuls and the older patricians start to take a step back from getting physically involved, but the young patricians are prepared to do no such thing, particularly the feisty Kaizo Quintius. Kaizo is a gift from the gods. Physically strong, a distinguished soldier, rhetorically gifted, and known for getting aggressive with the tribunes. The tribunes find Kaizo an intimidating prospect, except for Aulus Virginius, who brings Kaizo up on capital charges. Kaizo has lots of supporters who come forward to try and save him, including his dad, Cincinnatus, who asks for clemency based on his own deeds for the Republic. However, Marcus Volskius Victor, another tribune, comes forward and reveals that Kaiser was responsible for the murder of his brother. The crowd is so angered by this tale that Virginius considers putting Kaiser in jail just to keep him safe. The patricians manage to strike a deal instead. Kaiser is released in return for a large sum of money that will be forfeit if he fails to show up for his trial. Kaiser promptly disappears, leaving his dad behind to pay the money that was pledged. 461 is sure a big deal. We delve into the nuance of it in episode 94, Flesh Rains Down Upon Thee. BCE. In 460, the consuls were Publius Valerius, a previous consul from 475 and known as a friend to the people, and Gaius Claudius, a die-hard patrician. This is one of the most complex years in the early Republic. Marcus, Volscius Victor, and Aulus Virginius return as tribunes, and they are pretty pleased that Kaizo is out of the way. The rest of the young patricians start to use a new strategy against the tribunes. Moderation all the way, unless the law about the laws comes up. Then the aggression hits 11. The tribunes decide to devise a conspiracy, forging threatening letters to themselves, supposedly from Kaizo, who has taken refuge with the Volskians and Aquians. The tribunes read out these letters in front of the Senate and beg for protection. The consul, Gaius Claudius, is quick to see through the tribunes and sends them packing. He then berates the Senate for creating the tribunate and allowing such people to falsely accuse an excellent young man like Kaizo of murder. The tribune, Wiginius, takes his grievances about the threats to the people and manages to secure some support from them. With the tribunes and plebeians in a suitably paranoid state, an unexpected attack comes from Appius Hedonius, a noble Sabine, and his band of either slaves, exiles, clients, or a mixture of them all. Hedonius and co. sneak into Rome by night and capture the capital and citadel. Hedonius invites the plebs and slaves to join him. Looks like the Sibylline books were right after all. The consuls are concerned that this is the beginning of civil conflict. But the city is in danger, so they take a chance and arm the plebs as they need forces and they need them right away. The tribunes, on the other hand, are crying fake news and urging the plebs not to fight until they secure their rights in return. Claudius is furious with the plebeians and makes no secret of it. 
But the consul Valerius manages to talk them into joining the fray with the promises that the Senate will look into the law about the laws just as soon as they have all saved the city. Priorities, people. The Romans get ready for a lengthy siege and get some unexpected help from Lucius Mamilius, the dictator of Tusculum. Mamilius noted the Sabine ships and rushed on over to help. What a man. The fighting is fierce and in the final push, Valerius is tragically killed. But at least the Sabines are defeated. The Sabine leader Hodonius dies a heroic death. In the aftermath, the plebeians give some of their own money towards the funeral of the great Valerius. But the tribunes aren't going to let the issue of the law drop. The remaining consul, Gaius Claudius, uses some delaying tactics to stall them, most notably the fact that he has no colleague. The patricians eventually bring in a man who is capable of dealing with these meddlesome tribunes. Cincinnatus! Cincinnatus is brought in from his humble farm and promptly lectures the Senate for letting the tribunes get out of control. A standoff quickly ensues between Cincinnatus and the tribunes as they each try to push their own agendas through. Cincinnatus scores points with everyone in Rome for his strict but fair attitude. He's sure that the only way to really whip Rome back into shape is to bring in a dictator. Those tribunes are out of control. In the short term, a deal is struck in which the consuls agree not to make the plebeians go on campaign and the tribunes let the codification of the laws drop for the time being. However, the Senate also tries to limit the amount of time a magistrate could hold office, but the tribunes are not willing to bend on this issue. The tribunes Virginius and Volscius are quickly reinstated. Again. The patricians want to follow suit and bring Cincinnatus back for a second consulship, but he refuses to stoop to the level of the plebs. There's a lot going on in 460 BCE, and to really come to grips with the details takes some doing. And in fact, it took us about four episodes. So if you're looking to delve into the details of 460, you're going to be interested in looking at our episodes 95 through to 98. was the 460s in ancient Rome. Or was it? Remember, this has just been a highlights from the ancient sources. So if you want to delve into the complexities of the different evidence from this period, check out our narrative episodes. Thanks for joining us for this partial recap. Uh-huh.